Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Nickish. It is Saturday, May 7th, 2022. You got your boy Mo here alongside Nafi and Faiz. And we have a very dope episode ahead. But before we get into it, we want to direct your attention to our website, nick-ish.com. Get yourself a Nickish hoodie and hat today, as it's one of the best ways to show yourself to be a Knicks fan today. And uh, yep. bring in my partner, Nafi, here. What's going on, brother? How are you doing today? I'm giddy, eager, um, eager to get on with the show, um, but we'll get to that. So I'm doing good. Keep you short and sweet today. <laughs> <laughs> Faiz, how you doing, bro? Feeling good, man. How are you, how you not supposed to be smiling when we got one of the best, you know, Knicks, Knicks reporters out there? What, forget Knicks. One of the best NBA reporters, man. We got yes, uh, a special yes, guest, special episode. Tommy Beard here, is here with us. And, uh, I, you know, we're fortunate enough to have this guy who's been covering the league for like almost 20 years now talking about uh, NBA basketball, talking about Knicks basketball. And, you know, we're, we're really excited to take the step forward in, in Tom, uh, Tommy's journey, you know, moving on, going independent and whatnot. So uh, excited to hear his thoughts about the NBA and, and the Knicks, you know. Tommy, welcome to the show, man. What's going on? How you doing this afternoon? After that introduction, I'm blushing over here, man. <laughs> nah, nah, I, I appreciate you guys. I, I have a Nixish hoodie. I should have actually worn it, but I do have it uh, in my closet. Um, Nafi hooked me up with one. Um, yes, so, uh, yeah, appreciate your, your work and, um, you know, always appreciate the enthusiasm, especially. That's always welcome. Mm-hmm. So for this episode, we're uh, trying to have the theme more of Leon Rose. Pretend you're Leon Rose for this episode. And a lot of the question that we ask is going to be how you would approach certain situations if you were the president of the New York Knicks. So first off, the finances are a major component for this summer, you know, contract extensions, trades and such and, and free agency. So we'll, we'll do some bookkeeping to start us off. Mitchell Robinson, how would you approach his contract if you were Leon Rose? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a, probably one of the more fascinating um, kind of situations as, as we approach the offseason. And I happened to um, write a little bit about um, Mitch and, and, you know, kind of the centers in general um, just this week. And um, the, the, the interesting thing with Mitchell Robinson is um, the Knicks have some fallback options should he not be willing to kind of barter and, and negotiate. Um, I was kind of surprised looking at Jericho Sims, you know, kind of his encore production over the last half of the season. Um, you know, I had a feel that he played pretty well, and I'm, I'm sure I looked at the numbers uh, when it was going on, um, but, I, but I still was impressed. Um, he finished second on the team in net rating over the second half of the season. Um, he actually, I, I'm sorry, he finished first in net rating. He, uh, Emmanuel quickly was second. He finished second right. in um, cumulative plus minus. Um, mm. IQ was first. Um, so I say all that um, to say, uh, as far as Mitch goes, um, you know, he's been good. He's been bad. He's been inconsistent. When he plays really well, um, you know, you, you, you kind of, oh my God, this guy's the next coming, um, you know, has superstar potential. Um, and uh, over, so he's, so he's played four years, um, 230 games exactly in his career. And he's one of only four players in NBA history 
to block at least 200, uh, block, I'm sorry, block more than 450 shots in his first 230 games while also shooting above 55% from the floor. Wow. A caveat, obviously, st- um, blocks were only kept uh, at 73, 74 season. Um, so that eliminates some of the other folks. Um, but if you look, but, but you know, based on, on those first four years, you get a sense of obviously his production on the defensive end. He's a, he's a dominant defender. And then offensively, he's an efficient scorer. Um, um, so the, the, the four players, I found it interesting. He's one of four. The other three are Shaq, Rudy mm. Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. And basically what I wrote, um, at that time was, you know, we've seen him play a little bit like Rudy Gobert when he's dominant. And then the next night he'll be Hassan Whiteside where he's kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, he's just, no motivation, well. you know, kind of slouching up and down the court, not playing with that kind of energy um, that you'd like to see on a night in night out basis. Obviously he's nowhere in the Shaq category, but um, so I think those are the two, um, you know, it, on, on, on certain nights, you know, he'll play for a week straight and be like, Oh, this guy is Rudy Gobert, you know, defensive player of the year type potential. I mean, he's, he has finished in the top two or three in blocks, you know, the first few years. Um, and then you get guys that, uh, you know, and then, and then there'll be nights where he's just kind of out. My, my daughter has said, Come <laughs> hey, hello. hello. Hey, uh, <laughs> but I'm in the middle of something. Let me, let me, I'll be downstairs in a second. Okay. Girl, dad. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So, so I think, um, I think what I wrote was if he's willing to come in around 50 million over four years, um, that's probably a little bit too rich for the Knicks blood. If it's closer to like 30, 35 million over three years, um, I think they'd be comfortable, you know, in, in that kind of range in that neighborhood. Um, but I don't think there's a, I definitely think there's a point where if somebody's willing to overpay for him and I'm Leon Rose, I'm like, Mitch, we love you. We love your upside. We love what you bring to the table most nights, but I'm not willing to commit big money to somebody who's not able to stay healthy, um, hasn't been consistent, shoots below 50% from the free throw line. There's enough red flags there um, where if somebody wants to make a big offer, I'll let it go. We got Sims. Uh, uh, you know, we can bring, obviously going to bring him back. We got Nerlens Noel for better or for worse for at least one more year. <laughs> um, we got Taj Gibson who can give us some minutes, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night. And then there's plenty of other, you know, centers that are going to be on the market. Um, and I don't see a huge difference between what I'd have to pay Mitch. Um, you know, if he got a $15 million a year offer than somebody, you know, look at the guys that signed for the, the mid-level, um, for the veteran minimum, you know, Dwight Howard and, right. and you know, those type of, you know, veteran Hassan Whiteside, for instance, those type of veteran guys um, that I'm certainly not going to get excited about um, but I don't want to cripple my books um, you know if he wants a one-year deal for big money and kind of a make make good year I'll listen to that but so that's kind of a long story short where I'm at with Mitch right I mean at this point with with Mitch you know it would have to be an investment for his potential and it seems like you know from from what we're gathering here that there's still too many red flags for his potential and his his willingness to put in that work to get to reach that potential um, are there any comparable contracts that you're thinking of when it comes to that 30 to 35 million dollar range as far as other players in the NBA goes? Yeah, I'd have to look. It's 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 a very interesting offseason, too, because there's only there's actually only four teams that have excess of the mid-level exceptions, only four teams technically with cap space. Um, oh, wow. So that's definitely something to keep in mind, you know. Um, and, and, you know, if we talk about a guy like Jalen Brunson or some other the high profile free agents, um, both teams and players have kind of recognize that this is not the year you want to spend on a free agent. So um, free agents recognize that. And, you know, we saw Robert Covington, for instance, lock into a two-year extension before he even hit the 
open market. Um, I think that kind of gives you a sense of um, there's just not teams that, you know, have the cap space that are going to, you know, spend a lot of money. Um, and, um, you know, for instance, the Magic, um, you know, what are they going to do with Mo Bamba? Um, you know, Mitch is kind of a comparable player. Um you know, they have Wendell Carter Jr. and, and Wagner there. Um, so, I, again, I think if Mitch wants to test the, in the open market and see what's out there, Knicks aren't going to, you know, chase big money to, to kind of put that out there. To follow up on that, though. So, I mean, I didn't know that interesting stat about Jericho Sims, by the way. That's kind of that's super impressive. But I guess if you're still kind of, you know, you have that Leon Rose hat still on, like, would you say that, you know, letting Mitch go – would you be comfortable just riding it out with Noel and Jericho and then maybe use that lottery pick? Let's say that the 11th overall pick stays at 11. Are there any big men you're eyeing that could possibly come in, step into Mitch's shoes a bit, and maybe, you know, we could ride out a, like a trifecta of centers, you know what I mean? Noel, rookie, Jericho? That's an interesting question. And that's an interesting thought. They got um, Mark Williams from Duke. He was really impressive, um, you know, right. in their ACC tournament run in the ACC. He's a big guy, 7-1, very athletic, um, a, lot, a lot like Mitch, um, but a little more fluid around the basket, a little more offensive game. Um, and that's the other thing with Mitch is, you know, we each, you know, we, we, we'd see um, Instagram clips of him shooting threes and pickup runs. And uh, this is the year I'm going to expand my range and just never, um, we, we never saw that come to fruition. And not only that, there was a regression, um, you know, is shooting free throws, flat footed, no arc. Um, just, you know, that, th that, that, those are signs that worry me if I'm going to make an investment in somebody, does this guy love the game? enough to improve year after year after year. I mean, if Giannis, a two-time MVP and finals MVP, can spend how many ever hours he did improving his free throw, you think a guy like Mitch Robinson, who's going to know he's going to be a free agent, know that his kind of career and money's on the line, um, is not going to put in the time to improve as, you know, as much as he'd like. Um, to me, that's a red flag. Um, so that, 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 that's kind of, um, uh, Tari Eason is, there's a lot of big men kind of like power forward slash centers, um, that, that will, you know, that, that will probably draw some, some interest from the Knicks. Um, and, uh, the, the, the draft, as we know, is like a week before the start of free agency. So that might actually factor into the, you know, the, the Knicks thinking, um, you know, typically at the, you know, at, at, in a, a rebuilding team is going to look for best available player. Um, but that might give them a little bit of bargaining power. Um, should Mitch, you know, you know, come to the, you know, come to the table, Hey, I want this, this, and this, they're like, Hey, um, that's cool. But we got, you know, two young guys, we got a couple veterans on the roster. Um, we can always sign another, you know, a big man free agent, um, before the start of, uh, before the start of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the, the center position in general really has been devalued, obviously, um, you know, forget about the Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Akeem Olajuwon days, even the last few years, right. um, guys just um it's tough to keep them on the floor um we saw what happened with the jazz kind of rudy rudy gobert if you can't defend guys on the perimeter um and pick and rolls it even even if you're a great defender and teams go small um draymond green you know for, with, with for a championship contender he's at the five um those are kind of things we've seen Giannis play you know center he can play you know he's kind of obviously a, a freakish athlete um but yeah the center spot is one i'm not willing to invest in long term um especially when you're not like you don't need a guy to take you to a championship level because you're far away from there anyway right i mean i was one of of, of the trio of us i feel like i'm the most staunch mitch robinson kind of supporter and i feel like you may have swayed me to the other side a bit now i'm kind of maybe in the middle of the fence but um I want to kind of pick up on you had said um, investing in the future or significant investment in the future. So this is kind of where we're going to pivot to another young player 
uh, who is probably a little bit more near and dear to the hearts of Knicks fans. Um, one RJ Barrett and his financial situation and contract is it really you know pertinent as of this summer? It will be next summer, right? Obviously, when he's a restricted free agent. But let's say you're Leon Rose, would you, especially after what RJ put together to close out the season, would you even really entertain the whole uh, contract extension conversation this summer, or would you just give it another year? What would you do with RJ there? And also, just what did you make of his progression entirely this season? You know, if you want to kind of hit on the A and B of that question. Sure. Um, I really got to dig into RJ. I haven't, I don't have a firm answer for you yet because I really haven't dug into the numbers. I think it's a question that they're going to have to address before um, this offseason. I I think RJ Barrett, you know, listen, he's averaged 20 points a game. Counting stats are, are appealing. Um, especially for guys' age, he's only 21 years old. Um, he's self-confident. Um, I I feel confident he's going to look for a, if not max, near max contract extension. I think he's going to want to lock it in. Um, if for no other reason, it's kind of a prestige thing. He probably feels he's worth it, and I don't think that's a stretch to, to, for him to feel that way. Um, you know, while he's not on the the John Morant spectrum of superstars carrying their teams in the playoffs. He's certainly a player you can build around. Um, My sense is I am hesitant to commit a max level contract. I know Nick fans don't want to hear it. um, And I know he has a huge contingent of devout loyal fans and rightfully so. (laughs) I, I think like, it's kind of interesting when the Knicks first drafted RJ, I think a lot of fans were down on him. You know, he's not the, he's not an elite player. Um, you know, he's just not the kind of guy you build around. So I thought he's kind of underrated, came in his freshman season, uh, his rookie season and, and kind of exceeded expectations um, over the second half of the season. So then Nick fans got really, really high. Then he came back down to earth a little bit. Then he, you know, then he'll have these two month stretch where he looks amazing. Then I'll have a two month stretch where it's not so great. Long story short, you look at the, the, the big body of work, you know, just, just for instance, last season, um, there were only two players. Uh, there was only one player in the NBA that posted a worse effective field goal percentage that attempted over 17 shots a game. And that was Julius Randle. That says a lot about the Knicks, obviously, Uh, but it also says a lot about RJ. He's doing, you know, his numbers look good, but he's doing it in an inefficient manner. Um, The thing that kind of perturbed me most, um, even as his offensive game was growing over that, that is particular, that stretch in like January, February um, was defensively kind of took a step back. Um, I know we talked about wanting to become a defensive play of the year candidate and you know, all NBA uh, or at least all NBA uh, Defense, defensive yeah. team. Um, we just didn't see that. He didn't bring that to the table. Um, so do I think he's a player you can build around? Absolutely. Is he a good foundational piece? Absolutely. Do I think you'll ever win a championship if RJ Barrett's your best player? Probably not. So if you're going to commit max money to a guy, I want him to at least have the potential to be one of the top, you know, 20 players in the NBA, um, you know, top 15, 20, somewhere in that range where he's a a legit candidate for an all NBA spot. Um, And I think RJ's ceiling is more of an all-star type, you know, multiple Mm -hmm. all-star game, um, you know, 24 points a night, eight rebounds, three assists. Those guys are not easy to come by. You don't let them walk out the door. Those guys are valuable guys you want to keep on your roster. Um, but do you want to commit $35 million a year? Um, if push came to shove, I'd probably do what I had to do. I think it's a little bit risky to not sign him this summer and let him become, let him hit restricted free agency. Um, does that kind of 
you know, uh, does that ruin the relationship between team and player? Um, we saw what happened with the Porzingis, obviously a completely different story. Um, he doesn't have as, you know, as many red flags as injury issues and off the court drama. And RJ's right, right. a great kid, handles the New York media perfectly. Um, he just kind of follows the Jeter, um, you know, just say enough where you don't cause any waves, but say the right thing and you know what the fans want to hear, you know, um, which is don't uh, mm. shut the F up and, and thumbs down. <laughs> Pro tip, one. Yeah, yeah. Pro tip. And and eighteen year old kid, to the pressure that he came um, as the as the as the highest pick, and you know, basically since Ewing, um, for him to handle that pressure as he did, I, I think speaks a lot to him. He can handle New York. That's the one thing going his favor. Um, that being said, um, if there if the right deal came along whether it's the Donovan Mitchell trade, even though his stock is down, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, um, it wouldn't destroy me if the Knicks made a deal in which another team committed max money to, and, and, and the Knicks got back a, a proven superstar player. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't um, run from that, run from that deal, but again, it has to be the right deal. Uh, push came to shove. I, I, I think the Knicks want RJ Barrett as a part of their future. They see him as a, as a foundational cornerstone piece as well. They should. Um, can they get him to shave off a little bit of that max money? Can they come to an agreement, um, you know, where it's uh, a little bit less, you know, maybe 80% of, of the cap, 80% of the max that he could make, um, you know, where they kind of meet in the middle. We'll see if that happens. Okay. So when you say kind of, you know, maybe so you said a bunch of stuff that I feel like both the, the RJ fan club will love and at the same time despise you for. That's so, what you're gonna get yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick's Twitter, you know, they're they're bipolar in that regard. But not, and I know you the, caught the, the, some... the, one, the one thing I've learned about reporting in general, the NBA and especially the Knicks, you're mm. not doing it right if everyone agrees with you or right, if right. everyone hates you. You know, like you're not telling the truth if you if you if everyone's satisfied with the answer you give i think right. you know that's facts um, respect that yeah you know what i'm saying like it's like it's like yeah you want the you know the you know i think people kind of get confused you want the clicks and the and like people you're not you know you're a click you know, you're a hater if you post a, a stat um that 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 presents a player in a negative light right right you're you know but then you're you know you're a fanboy if you present listen i'm gonna present the facts as i see them and the stats as i see them um because i think i owe it to people um that 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 pay for the sub stack that that come to me that 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 um read the stuff i write i think i the least i can do is present them um with all areas of information and then i'll let them make an opinion i'll give my opinion as well but i've been wrong before i've been wrong plenty of times and i'll be wrong again um but i think i owe it to folks to try to present as much information as possible than you guys do with that uh, you know as because there's a lot of folks i learn a lot from you guys on twitter um right, you'll, right. You'll, you'll you'll send me information and it'll make me think about a thing a certain way and people ask me where do you come up with these weird random facts or whatever a lot of it's like hey um you know how does this guy perform at you know in, in fourth quarters or clutch or you know with him on the floor with this other player um and that kind of forces me to do you know kind of dive into the numbers um so it's why um you know a lot of people are negative on twitter and you know i i gotta leave the platform is too much I, I don't i don't really feel that do people make negative comments and and say rude and mean stuff yeah but if, but that's anywhere in life you know right what I'm saying? yeah like, exactly i think like if you just you know if you ignore kind of the nonsense there's so much good that comes out of you know out of the interaction and the the sense of community um that that i don't have a real 
a real problem with it. But anyway, off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I, no, I, I all good. pissed people off. Yeah, and I made get it off your chest, good. man. That's what we're here for. Get yeah, it look, we threw the alley-oop and you dunked it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's Twitter, Nick Twitter always needs a therapy session, man. That's what yes. we're here for. Yes. Yes. And honestly, one of the best quotes I saw on Nick's Twitter, I, I can't remember who it was, but they said, if we're all agreeing, then nobody's thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. So as easy as that, you know, it's, it's good to have that healthy debate, but Kind of want to bring this up, Tommy, and we're, we want to establish this as a safe space, but I feel like you kind of maybe hit on it once you, with your impassioned, uh, you know, <laughs> rant just out. But kind of last year, you did get a little bit of heat for the Dame Lillard, uh, RJ, like trade package. Yes. And um, while I disagreed at the time, I still kind of saw your message just because I feel, you know, I'm an RJ optimist. I still kind of am pinching myself for what he showed over the last two months of the season. Cause it's almost like, okay, this is what we hope for. And now he's kind of putting it together. But in that moment, you were pretty adamant that like RJ needs to be on the table for Dame. Do you feel similarly now a year later or has like, obviously the variables and a lot of things have changed on both sides. So what's your take on that situation? And, you know, Dame yeah, Willard in general, I, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of still on that end of the spectrum because I think if you can get a player that's, you know, like, the best case scenario for RJ Barrett is to have a career that's almost as good as Dame Lillard. Or, I mean, Dame Lillard, you know, 20, 30, 50 years from now, um, will go down as one of the best point guards this generation. For sure. Um, need a point guard. Um, so, again, um, the, 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 the Dame Lillard thing is a little bit more complicated. He's a year older. Um, didn't play last year because of injuries. RJ had a, had a solid year. Um uh, but again, if the Donovan Mitchell conversation came up again, that's, you know, listen, Donovan Mitchell has a lot of the same flaws as does RJ, inefficient scorer, um, but a volume, sh- a volume shooter struggles defensively. RJ is probably a better, more versatile defender. Um, as I mentioned, I think Donovan Mitchell stock really took a hit. Um, he right. couldn't stay in front of Jalen Brunson um, and, and some of the other Maverick guards um, even before Luka came back. Um, but then again, Donovan Mitchell's 25 years old. He's been a, he's a three-time all-star. He's a guy that averages 30 po- coming into the season, 30 points per game in the playoffs. RJ's never had, you know, will RJ have a 30 point game in the playoffs in his career? Yes. You hope. Um, will he average 30 over a three-year span? Probably not. Um, so again, you know, the, the thing about RJ, if you're trading him that you got to realize, and again, this is really important part of the conversation is you're not necessarily giving up just on a 21 year old you're giving up uh, uh you're avoiding paying that 21 year old max money um mm. and is that if you're if you don't feel a player is is worthy of a max contract to give him a max contract you get that's where you get stuck in the mike Connolly situations where you can't let him go but you don't want to let him leave um so it's it's that's why that's where it gets complicated um uh, the other, just, just for an instance, um, a lot of people, the same folks that, that said I was an idiot for even thinking about trading RJ Barrett in a, in a package for Dame Lillard had similar uh, opinions when I suggested that the Knicks trade Julius Randle in a package for De'Aaron Fox, um, mm. as we know, because again, it's kind of the selling high, the guy's got uh, under contract and then Randle obviously, you know, kind of hit rock bottom there right, um, right. in terms of his play, his effort. Um, you know, we, we know how that played out. Whereas Fox after the trade deadline and after they cleared the, the Tyree Halliburton situation um, and kind of gave De'Aaron Fox the keys back to the team. Yeah, like 27, 8, and 4. You know, something crazy over the last two months. Something a Knicks point guard hasn't done in my lifetime. Um, So, uh, you know, again, there's... Ideally, you don't want to buy too much into a player's hype. You want to 
you know, keep an eye on and, and, and get a sense of what, what the other team, and similar to how we said, you know, if we all agree, then, then, then we're not really thinking critically. Um, I know a good, a trade is reasonable, at least, let's say, if the two teams, the fans of the two teams both think I'm an idiot, you know, like <laughs> Nick fans, you're an idiot for thinking we would trade RJ Baffert a bum named Dame Lillard. And, 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 you know, and okay, we'll do it, but we won't include Miles McBride in the deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, those were awesome. untouchable. Dead, like, dead, all curious comments, you know, and Kings fans are like, who's McBride? Who's this McBride? <laughs> you know, like, so we all, you know, because we see players and we, and we have a connection to them, I totally understand um, players not wanting wanting to do that um but uh so listen would would dame have prevented the kind of the fallout this season um yes but you know the knicks wouldn't also wouldn't be in a position kind of trending upwards um they would have you know if they would have had this if they missed the playoffs or qualified and lost in the first round um so there's a a real give and take there i kind of my, my argument for the for the dame lillard stuff was um, you know, we've been doing this 20 years now, the Knicks more losses than any other franchise in the NBA since the turn of the century. Um, the Knicks have um, eight playoff wins, um, or I think it's seven playoff wins in the last 20 years, the Seattle Supersonics have eight, um, you know, like just the Knicks have, have, have more losses than any other team in the NBA and fewer playoff wins over the last 20 years. So um, if you have a chance to get a, you know, an all-time great NBA player, I'm probably a little bit higher on Dame than most. Um, but if you look at the back of his basketball card, like that dude puts up numbers, does it in, in big spots, Team USA and, 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 and in the playoffs. Um, so, yes, I, I, there's, there, there's a um, – you don't want to give away the farm. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to give away OB and IQ and RJ and three first – you draw a line somewhere, uh, but to give something – to get something of value, you got to give something up. Um, and, again, because I'm on the fence about giving RJ that max contract – I, I, I'm more comfortable now. Like let, if he was locked into a deal, um, you know, let's say, because he is 21 years old. If he was just coming out of school and just one year into his career, uh, you didn't have to worry about that max contract extension until a couple of years down the line. I'd, right. I'd take him off the table. But since that date is upon us, you know, sooner than I'm sure Leon Rose would like, um, that's why I'm more at least willing to have the conversation. Um, what can you give me to take him off my hands? Honestly, okay. I feel like I feel like with the RJ stuff, you, you got you got a lot out, and a lot of the stuff I, I definitely do have to agree with with like players like Donovan Mitchell, where like you know a lot a lot of NBA fans is like, what have you done for me recently? So when you see something like Donovan Mitchell, you're like, no, I don't want I don't want to deal with him anymore. I want to go with a player like RJ. But uh, moving on from that, I feel like a lot of a, a lot of this conversation has been revolving, and we've been dancing around this. Uh, like the touchiest topic of the Knicks starting point guard. Like, I feel like as for as long as you've been covering the NBA, what 20 years, the Knicks starting point guard has been the touchiest topic of them all. So if you're, if you're taking on the role of Leon Rose, I got to get an answer for the question. What do we do there? I can see the smile on your face. I, I can tell this is something you're avoiding like a Leon Rose press <laughs> conference, but I'm going to need an answer. Might as well ask you, how do you solve world, world hunger, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got some decent options, you know, Jalen Brunson, being you know a, a prime option emmanuel quickly someone who's on our team maybe malcolm brogdon someone you can trade for someone lower like tyus jones that you could sign but how are you feeling you mentioned tyus jones i do like him um i'm fascinated to see kind of how this mavs playoff run plays out um because it's you know you talk about what have you done for me lately after that first series 
um, Taylor Brunson actually led the NBA. He scored more points than any other player in the NBA in the first round of the playoffs. Right. Um, he played more games and, you know, Luke was out for a couple of games. So he took more shots. I think he was fourth in shots attempted. Um, but um, he actually scored more points on fewer field goal attempts than Donovan Mitchell, a conversation for another day. Um, but we'll see, you know, he struggled badly over the first two games. I think he was average 11 points to like 30% from the floor. The first two games against the Suns, he comes back. Um, is a key player um, in the Mavs victory last night over Phoenix, um, kind of got back on track. Um, so not only do, how does it impact, does this kind of Mavs run impact his value as he heads into free agency, but if the Mavs somehow, you know, take the Suns in seven games or beat the Suns or at least a competitive six game series, do the Mavs say, listen, we, we're, we're close. Like, you know, and then the Suns go on to win the title, which certainly wouldn't shock anybody. Um, the, do, 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 does Cuban and, and, the, and, the, and the Dallas front office say, listen, we're close. We can't, we're not going to let this guy walk out the door. They can pay more than anyone else. We know Cuban's not worried about paying the luxury tax. Um, do they commit, you know, they feel like he's a good, you know, kind of, you know, duo with Luca. Um, do they just say, even if, even if Brunson wants to end, end up in New York, they'll say, listen, we'll pay you 20% more, 30% more. We'll pay that tax. Um, you know, f- to keep you here, no state income tax in Texas is another, speaking mm. of taxes, another, sure. you know, appealing nice. point to Brunson. Um, so, you know, uh, assuming, I, I think had the, had the Mavs been eliminated, had his season ended in an ankle injury, um, you know, had he hadn't, had he not made this kind of leap in the playoffs that he's currently in the process of making, I think there was a pretty good chance that he was going to end up in New York. Um, whether it be via sign and trade, whether he left a little money on the table from other teams to come to New York, um, New York would the Knicks would have to shift around a lot of salaries um, to kind of make that work. Um, you know, could they find a home for um, Alec Burks? Um, would they trade some some draft capital to get rid of Nerlens Noel, a couple second round or some along those lines? Um, but I think they could get there. Um, I think they would do what they needed to do if they felt Brunson. Um, really wanted to come uh, to New York. Um, as we know, there's a lot of connective tissue there um, between um, uh, his father, Rick Brunson, obviously played for the Knicks. Um, Rick Brunson's agent was Leon Rose. Um, uh, Jalen Brunson's agent before Leon Rose joined the Knicks was Leon Rose. So there's a lot of, you know, I think both sides know how the other one feels, or at least you know, they're, you know, not that they're talking every day, but they've had conversations, certainly, um, whether it be via back channels or not. Um, has that changed? I guess, has the calculus changed from Brunson and the Mavericks side over these last couple of weeks? Um, I was kind of on the fence about how much you want to give him in free agency. Um, I would probably err on the side of giving him a little bit more um, than others. I wouldn't break the bank for him. He's not a max contract guy. Um but a lot of folks did say when I was really pushing for Fred Van Vliet, he'll never be an all-star. He's a, you know, he's an average point guard. He's a backup right. point guard because he was playing behind Kyle Lowry, or he's not a real point guard because he was playing alongside Kyle Lowry. We don't know what he can bring to the table. Um, you look at the numbers, you watch a guy play, you listen to folks around the league, tell you how tough he is defensively. Um, Brunson is not in that class, in my opinion. I don't think he'll ever get to reach the heights 
of a, of a Fred Van Bleet, but he will be obviously an improvement um, over Alex Burks. <laughs> and like, um, but then the interesting question is how much does the front office believe in quickly? Um, the fact that he didn't start, you know, uh, the Knicks played 23 games, at, you know, over the second half of the season where they were essentially already eliminated from the playoffs. He didn't start until the final game. And that was only because RJ Barrett got hurt and Alex Burks shifted over to small forward. So um, was that a pure Tibbs decision with the front office? You know, did they not push hard enough? Did they not push at all? Did they, did Tibbs want to? And the front office said, we don't think he's, you know, let's see what we, I, you know, those are questions I don't have the answer to. Um, obviously Leon Rose isn't going to tell you. Um, so do I think IQ deserves a shot to be the starting point guard for the team next year? Yeah. I think he's, he's earned an opportunity. Um, I'm not sure how successful he'll be. Um, I don't think, I think the expectations will probably be too high. Should he kind of be installed in, in, in that spot? Um, but listen, the guy averaged, you know, 25 and five for, you know, a good solid month there. Um, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. Um, those are, you know, legitimate, um, you know, he's, he's a little bit inefficient because, you know, a lot of the a lot of the, the shots he takes are threes, um, but he gets after it defensively um, can kind of that, that's why I think even a, um, if you get a guy like Brunson, there's versatility there. Obviously, we know he doesn't right. have a point because Luca's a, uh, you know, hogs the ball. Um, just always, you know, his usage <laughs> rate is crazy. A lot um, of so touches. Know, yes, a lot of touches. So we know he can play off the ball. And then when Luca missed those two games, we know he can kind of facilitate the offense and, and do his own thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, you know, you mentioned it's been so long since the Knicks have had a quality starting point guard. You I got think- the starting point guard in the back. John Starks is the last time we had like a legit, like. Pretty much. I mean, and you can't be a competitive team in the NBA if you don't have a starting point guard, in my opinion, a real competitive team. So Brunson's 25, um, you know, kind of an East Coast kid. Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to, to overpay a little bit, you know, to, to, to overpay what, whatever the, you know, if it's 18 to 20, I'm not going to go 25, 30. Um, but I, I do think that there's a, um, a reasonable, you know, kind of in between area that would make sense. But I do get the idea, um, that Dallas at this point, given how well he's played, how well the Mavericks have played with him, um, may say, listen, you're staying here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so if yeah. you had to put your money on a horse for who's going to be the starting point guard of the Knicks for next season, which yeah, horse I, you taking? I'm a big, uh, I'm higher on Brogdon than, than a lot of folks too. Mm, I, okay. I do like, I do like Brogdon. I understand the injury history and, um, but I think there's a, there's a Julius Randall for Malcolm Brogdon deal that, 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 Ooh, that, that, that makes, I dig it. Nick's Twitter is going to like that one. You might have made up for the RJ comments right there. You'd you'd be surprised, though. A lot of Nick's Twitter hates Brogdon, too, I've sensed. Um, Older, a little bit more injury prone. I I do. Definitely. Listen, there's there's, there's some downside there, but, um, you know, the the contracts are incredibly similar. I think it's within like $30,000 of each other. I do know that Indiana Uh, and New York barely makes trades, though, right? Like the last time they made a trade was like a really insignificant, like, True, true. It's 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 been a while. Um, but you know, again, if two teams are, you know, they're they're both. Let's put it this way: they're both motivated. I think right. to kind of rid each other of, you know, you so bonus is out of the question in Indiana. Maybe bringing a guy like Randall. Bringing a guy like Randall, he fits alongside uh, Miles Turner really well. Turner's kind of a stretch five. Dallas, Dallas Three. friends. Oh, Tommy froze. I think. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. R- Randall might have just like froze him up. <laughs> Randall destroying everything, everything in his past, oh, bro. Sure. Not I even think... podcasts. I said. Oh, yeah, yeah. there you go. I... We got you back. 
Oh, we good? Oh, yeah, you froze up on us for a second. We just okay. made a joke. As that soon as Randall, Randall came up, destroys Matt, everything Randall. in his past. He's like the bug. <laughs> they was, watching. That, 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 was, that was his wife, you know, shooting the <laughs> Right? <laughs> like it's a you, poison dart. Well, it's you and me against the world, man. They've been... <laughs> Um, but, I, but I do think they should try to trade Randall um, this summer. I definitely think it's in the best interest of both the team and the player. Um, it's just not a healthy situation. I don't think um, there's a lot of bad blood there now between himself and the fan base. Um, and I think even though there'll be a, uh, um, I think he'll improve next year. I think he'll play better and shoot more efficiently. I don't think he'll ever reach the heights that he reached. Um, 20, you know, the, 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 his, you know, the, the season prior to this last season, when right, he, you right. know, obviously most improved player, all NBA, I don't think he'll get there again. Um, so will Nick fans be happy, even if, if there's a slight improvement? Um, I think he's just entering the season with a lot of toxicity around him and the team. Um, and a fresh start might just help. I yeah. think so. I think so. I think another GM is smart enough to understand we get him out of New York, you know, we can kind of get the best, you know, we can get that best version of himself. So I don't think the Knicks have to, you know, attach three first round. He's not, it's not an albatross contract. Um, he's, I think the 51st highest paid player in the league um, going into next season. So that's, you know, right around, you know, the 50th, 60th, 70 best player. Um, I think that kind of makes sense. And, you know, kind of what he brings to the table, dude in a down year averaged 10, uh, 20, 10 and five. Um, so that kind of tells you what, you know, you know, they obviously we know the efficiency was, was crippling poor defense more than that, the effort and the, you know, all that other stuff. Um, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page on, um, but again, um, you know, I think that another, you know, general manager, be it Indiana or Sacramento, wherever you can say, let's get him out of that situation, smaller market. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll kind of flourish again. So um, I think Brogdon's an opportunity to answer your question directly. If I had to peg, um, uh, if I think, you know, who, who's the Knicks starting point guard in opening night next season, if I had to pick one name, I probably would still go Brunson. I think they, I, I think they, I think they end there. I think he probably wants to come to New York. I think the Knicks want him. Um, so I'd say like Brunson, like 55% chance or, or 40% chance IQ 30 Brogdon 15 Tyus Jones, 10, you know, I'd have to look at some of the other names and um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I certainly don't think there's a slam dunk. Oh, this guy, it's, somebody I definitely feel is, you know, gonna, um, uh, you know, gonna, gonna be starting. I wouldn't put any significant amount of money on it. Um, but, I, I, but I do think those, those are the names that they'll, they'll probably be most likely bandied about. Yeah. Um, let's, let's dive a little deeper into Randall and I'll try to keep this twofold because uh, the 21, 22 season was like most Knicks season. There's no shortage of drama and really the two people in the Knicks organization that was at least from the Knicks standpoint or fan standpoint that was filled with drama was Randall and Thibodeau. So as, as Leon Rosen, obviously there are, there are reports that came out that Thibodeau looks like will be retained for next season. Um, how, how much stock would you put into those reports? And if you were, if you're Leon Rose is, is the issue more of Tom Thibodeau's coaching and, you know, potential issues with the starting lineup and being possibly stubborn, or is it more Randall? So in which direction do you think the Knicks should, should go towards? Because I, I think keeping both those guys for next season is, is just a recipe for another disappointing season. Yeah. So with Tibbs, I thought it, it was foolish and short-sighted for him to defend Randall the way he did. Um, I, I, my sense is, and if I had to play dime store, dime store psychologist and kind of what Tibbs might've been thinking at the time was Randall, I owe Randall a lot. I came over from Minnesota. I didn't know when I'd get my next head coaching job. If I'd get it in, in another head coaching job, um, let alone in a big market for big money. 
Um, I had a lot to prove and Randall essentially put the team on his back and as bad as he, you know, as, as disappointing a season as he had this year, let's not forget how well he played the, the year prior. Um, he was incredible. He deserved to make that all NBA team. He deserved to be top 10 in MVP voting, he played hard. He played smart, um, shot kind of above his head, you know, you know, you know, um, exceeded expectations in that respect. Um, so you, you, you kind of expected there to be a regression to the mean. But um, so from Thib's perspective, this guy um, played out of his mind and because of him, the Knicks got uh, largely in large part due to his contributions. Um, the Knicks got the four seed for, for home court in the first round for the first time in forever. Um, won a playoff game, um, you know, for the first time in a long time. Um, well, I won coach of the year because of that, the Knicks getting the four seed finishing 10 games above 500. So he's, you know, I, and I think as he, we all saw Randall struggle, um, I think Tibbs took the approach and we don't know what was going behind the scenes, you know, whether we'll find out later that there was something going on in, in Randall's personal life that, you know, something seemed to be off. I, again, I'm not going to try to speculate as, as to what that might be, but Tibbs would have a better idea than we would, obviously. Um, and so he was just kind of thinking, I'm not going to be hard on this dude. Um, I'm going to, you know, credit him and, and try to pat him on the back and try to build him up as much as humanly possible. And hopefully, the, you know, he'll snap out of it and, and he'll get back to playing like I know he can play because I saw him play like that. Um, it didn't happen. It didn't work in, you know, in late December. It didn't work in January. It didn't work in late January. It didn't work in February. It didn't work after the All-Star break. It worked for like a week in March. It didn't work in late March. So that, that approach failed. You know, there's no choice about it. I thought Tibbs should have sent a message from day one, um, you know, or, or, or far earlier in the season. You give him a couple times not running back on defense. You give him one time not helping up a teammate. But if you watch the games closely, like, you know, you watch a lot of these games, it was – he didn't give, you know, um, that to a player after, you know, the guy made a free throw or, you know, get, you know, in exchange, there's just, there wasn't that connection there. Um, the slap top game. Remember he slapped the laptop out. Mm. like, mm -hmm. And even that, you know, you can understand getting frustrated, but to me it was that there wasn't that connection. Combination between, like, of all this. Yeah. Like, just, you could tell like there wasn't that love. There wasn't that closeness. Um, so I thought there was a message that needed to be sent. And for Tibbs to talk about, you earn the minutes, you, you, you know, you, you, whatever time, whatever playing time you get, you earn. The reality was uh, Randall wasn't earning 37 minutes a night. Um, you know, if you want to say, you know, I hope that he turns it around, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, or he's earned the right to struggle or whatever the case might be. But if you're telling McBride and IQ and Obi Toppin that the only way you'll play is if you play hard and defend and close out and box out and do the little things and talk on defense um, and share the ball and, and be unselfish then those are those that's how you earn more playing time and then those guys see the highest paid player the cat you know kind of the leader of the team doing the exact opposite and having no repercussions that that sends a wrong message um and i thought some of the comments obi toppin made later in the year um were were spoke volumes without without he never mentioned the coach by name smartly he never mm -hmm. picked that fight he never disrespected the front office or the coaching staff but he said it's amazing once i get an opportunity to play and i don't feel like i'm gonna get yanked i feel more comfortable you know i think he was kind of speaking for himself i think he was speaking for iq um i think he was speaking for mcbride and and, and some of those guys um because for the life of me i still don't understand um, you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these kind of end of year report cards and looking at the minutes played of Alex Burks, 
um, over the last you know 25 games a season. It's mind. It just doesn't make any sense on any level um, other than just kind of a stubbornness. So when you ask me, do I think Tibbs will be less stubborn next year? I, I, I don't. And there's been a lot of folks on Twitter that have said and, and have kind of commented, you can't bring back Tibbs and Alex Burks and Randall and Taj Gibson because Obi is going to get lost in the shuffle. Like it's proven. It's almost like even though he played so well at the end of the season. Um, and I thought part of the, the reason for Tibbs not playing, for keeping Burks in the starting lineup was because we were making a big deal out of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> despite like, yeah, despite the despite. Knicks fans. Kind of. like It's almost like, it, because what other reason would you... What, it's nonsensical. What, it's literally what, nonsensical. Old man. It didn't make Jeez. sense. There was just no... If you're going to lose anyway, even if, if you're going to win, if the losses are... A, a, especially after the team, if you want to say the Knicks can win their last 11 games and the Hawks can lose their last 11 games and we'll sneak into the 10 spot. But at some point that wasn't the case and to still leave them in there. And I mean, it's almost, it's unfair to the player. You know, you, you, you could tell Alex Burks wanted, wouldn't mind the night off here and there, like every other team in the NBA, give these guys some chance. And, and, and I said it um, in, in April or, you know, late in the season, Leon Rose and Wes and, and, and Scott Perry are going to be in a room on May 7th or May 27th or two weeks before the start of free agency. And they're going to be looking at numbers and looking at film and, you know, calling the scouts and they're going to say, damn, you know, I wish we had IQ start, you know, playing against starting caliber point guards. So we can, do we need to give Brunson 20, 23 million or can we give, did IQ prove enough that he deserves an opportunity? I wish we had a larger sample size. Um, and for it, and, 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 and that is on Tibbs to not present, to not do what's best for the long-term interest of the franchise, you know, like, and that, I think that's one of those things where it's kind of, and I understand the players, Alex Burks is going to play his ass off when, whenever he gets on the floor as well. He should, he's a vet, he's a proven player. He's a pride guy. You don't get to the NBA by not trying hard or whatever the case right. might be. So it's up to the front office and, and, and a lot of fans, you know, have, it's important to remember this. The goal of every organization is to win it. It should be to win a championship. Not ne- and that doesn't necessarily mean winning games in on April third against the Magic in Orlando. Sometimes to win a championship, and it's not even necessarily tanking. It's giving the players that you feel are long term foundational pieces the opportunity to prove that they can earn more playing time going into next season, um, or that you know have confidence going into off season workouts, or you know let's say they start the last seven games of the year. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and Tyus Jones, you know, beats IQ consistently going left. That's something that he needs to work on in film and, and lateral transition and talking with teammates or guys leave him open in the left corner. Um, consistently, he knows he needs to work on that shot and prove going right because teams are shadowing him. You know, once you play against the other starting caliber players, that, that can kind of impact things. Um, so, yeah. Um, do I think Tibbs deserves another shot? I am okay with him coming back. I think he, you know, former coach, he's literally the reigning coach of the year um, until another, you know, you know, um, so I think he deserves at least one more opportunity. Um, but I think my fear is if they keep the roster as is Randall and, you know, that, that, that kind of crew and the team is four games under 500, um, you know, going to the all-star break or seven games under 500 in early March is Tibbs going to be flexible enough to understand, okay, this unit as currently constructed is not who's going to lead us to the promised land. I'm going to kind of change my philosophy. And even though it may not give me the best opportunity to win the first quarter 
of this particular game, the 78th game of the season. I have to do what's best for the long-term interest of the franchise, and that's what's best for the players that will be here um, potentially past my expiration date. And it takes a certain type of, uh, 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 of mindset to kind of you know, buy into that. And, I, I don't, and Tibbs hasn't proven that as of yet. Right. Um, to follow up, as, as Leon Rose, would you want to, to keep Tib at this point you know, after seeing these these mishaps and these mistakes that he's made throughout the season, a lot of blame does go to him. Even 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 games where you know minute distribution was not how we we as fans. Obviously, Thibodeau's basketball knowledge supersedes all of ours combined. But you know, easy things that we see the the mid distribution doesn't make sense. Obi topping in ten minutes a game. You know, earlier on in the season, um, are these things that he should be held accountable for? And would you keep a shorter leash on him? Maybe not till All Star break, but maybe like fifteen games in. Instead. Yes, I, I think so. And you got to remember, from um, I'm Leon Rose now. If I fire Tibbs uh, 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 the end of this, the end of last, you know, last month. If I fire Tibbs tomorrow, if I fire Tibbs before the start of the next season, and we get off to a really slow start, we're seven and fifteen, we're twenty-one and thirty-two in, in January. Guess whose job they're going to be calling for? Mm, it's not right. the interim head coach or the new head coach I hire. I need somebody to throw overboard. So I still have Tibbs in my back pocket. I still have him on the side of the boat. I can shove him off and buy myself a <laughs> NBA politics. You, you know, it's like, listen, yeah. let's be real. We've watched sports enough. Baseball, yep. your management of the stands, there's only so many times you can't fire all the players. You, can, you know, you got to feed the, 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 the crazy, you know, the back page starts calling for somebody's job. I can't, you know, if I fire Tibbs, then I bring in, you know, Mike Woodson, or uh, then I can't fire Mike Woodson in January. So I'm going to have to do something else, make a crazy trade, or, you know, or else Dolan's going to tell me, you're gone. The yeah. next guy, you know, so um, those are things that I definitely think that's why I was, I, I wasn't surprised that Tibbs got hired. Um, it made sense from a kind of chess, playing chess point of view. Um, and again, um, the weird thing about Tibbs is if you tell me the Knicks are going to um, be like, you know, nine games over 500 at the all-star break. I want Tibbs as my coach to maximize. He's going to get the most out of the veteran. He's going to get the most out of Taj Gibson and, um, and Kemba Walker and, 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 and Randall. I think he, you know, he'll squeeze every bit of effort. You would, you would like to think um, out of those guys. And, you know, his, his, as you mentioned, it wasn't just his, his minutes distribution, his in-game adjustments weren't great. Mm -hmm. His out of out play calling out of timeouts was below league average. If you look at, you know, points per possession, things along those lines. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot to love, you know, there's, there's definitely reasons to be critical. The Knicks had more talent than a team that finished 10 games under 500. They should have had a better record. Um, so again, a lot of that falls on Tibbs. Um, and the fact that, you know, Taj Gibson played more minutes this season than Obi Toppin and averaged more minutes per game, like that, that stuff shouldn't happen. Um, so again, but yeah, so I think going into the season there, let's, let's make no mistake. Tibbs will be on the hot seat. Um, Knicks will need to get off to a good start. Um, so I, I say that to say this, if you tell me um, I have a veteran roster and I, and I'm going to make a, a push for the playoffs, I want Tibbs as my coach. If I have a team where five of the seven rotation players are 21, 22, Cam Reddish is 23, um, uh, Grimes is 21, uh, you know, the, I don't want Tibbs coaching that team. And that's kind of where the Knicks are. And that's why it'll be fascinating to see 
what they do with Randall if they, you know, if they trade him for, you know, three first round picks or, you know, two first round picks or a young player, or they trade RJ for a veteran, then Tibbs, you know, make, so it, it, a lot of the roster composition makes sense. Um, so I think this is kind of will be a turning point. Um, my sense is Tibbs, as much as we've seen how he values draft picks, even second round picks, values young assets, values players on affordable contracts. Um, my sense is he'd probably prefer to go in a different direction, um, but he doesn't have that. Again, he doesn't, he's, he's not in that position yet. Um, he may feel a little more comfortable or maybe pressured to it um, should the Knicks kind of stumble out of the gate early next year. Nice. I mean, this has been awesome, Tommy, just to kind of like on a whole different note. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks for giving us your time, really. Just kind of, we've kind of hit on all the hot, the hot topics that have uh, been plaguing us sick freaks, a.k.a. Knicks fans, for the last couple months, you know what I mean? So it's good to kind of talk it all through with a, a, a veteran of the NBA reporting sphere. And I guess to close this out, just kind of more on a lighter note, um, what, do you get, what do you NBA veteran reporters really do after the season's over? Do you guys just unplug? Are you, like, sick of just seeing a bounce of basketball? Do you guys just, like, you know what I mean, just turn off the TV? What, what, what goes on? I wish, man. It's interesting. The, the like, kind of the, 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 the peak for clicks, like, in terms of tra- web traffic on a lot of NBA sites is right before the draft, right? Um, free agency's free agency's higher than, than the, the October, November, December. Like, free agency is a huge month for traffic and advertising and things along those lines. So that really, um, right from the, right from the, the regular season to the postseason, um, into the uh, draft prep, draft day, uh, the following week, then you have the week of preparation before free agency. Then you have the first week of free agency. That's when things kind of slow down. Then you get off like August is when, like, I'll never plan a vacation in July, start of July when, you know, free agency starts or the end of June when the draft is, or, you know, f- around finals time. Um, and then, you know, starting around September, you know, prep for, um, rotation battles and you know mm. who here they signed here's how these guys would work here's how the, the minutes these guys have played and how we might distribute those minutes um you know you, then you got training camp at the end of september um so yeah august is really the only real down month it may you know that's why my wife will say like it's only the season's only like five months long why do you have all this nonsense to talk about <laughs> um, yeah like especially especially for the knicks who are typically don't have a postseason to kind of you know dig your teeth into a mm. lot of it about you know draft free agency, free agency reaction, you know, potential, you know, how do they move these guys and you'll get a trade, you know, like the Westbrook trade or something crazy will happen in, in August or July or, or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, there's no real like strict downtime until um, usually like August, second half of August, especially um, is when I'll, you know, have some time to just kind of chill and un- un- unplug a little bit. Eesh. So basically, what you're saying is the Knicks ruining your life. I see. I see. You, Tommy. <laughs> it's not just you, Tommy. It's not, it's not just, you. just you. At least you get paid for it, bro. We do this willingly. Exactly in the possible way. I couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I could like kind of speak for my co-host here, and obviously they could chime in as well. But we really want to thank you for the time. Um, this has been awesome and honestly a dream come true like we've been at least personally i've been following you i think i got on twitter like 2011 2012 so you were probably one of the first accounts i followed on one of my very first accounts just to like all the numbers or whatever so i just want to say like yo it, it was an honor to just sign up for your sub stack you know your newsletter just because i think it's really dope what you're doing kind of hitting the independent scene and just really just being you know tommy beer is the brand that's going to be you you know what i mean so i really respect that and happy to support you know and i think my co-hosts agree you know yeah, absolutely. Especially as a fellow Queens native. That's awesome, man. Shout out, shout out <laughs> Queens. 
Um, and yeah, your, your articles are so well written. I, you know, everything you pointed out, especially for the Mitchell Robinson, when I read that this morning and, um, you know, I, I love reading your articles and I hope that all the listeners that are listening right now, take a moment to, to subscribe. It's uh, tommybeard.substack.com. And, um, generally, uh, well where, it. where else can, can our listeners follow you, Tommy? Yeah. Uh, um, as you guys mentioned, Twitter's the place to be. I'll link all my stuff and my Substack link is, is off there. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I really appreciate you guys having me on and if it wasn't for you guys support, not supporting me personally, supporting, um, the team, the franchise, um, just kind of bringing that enthusiasm, um, and, 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 and these podcasts and stuff. That's why I love hopping on with you guys. Cause I get a real sense of, of energy and it, and it kind of invigorates me and, and lets me know, um, that there are people out there, um, that appreciate the, 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 work and the, and the, and the, um, the kind of digging for mindless, you know, boring stats <laughs> and, and, and weird numbers and stuff like that, that you guys appreciate it. Um, much appreciated. So, stat yeah. God, Tommy, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Do what I can, my man. <laughs> oh, appreciate you man appreciate you guys i would say it's a thankless job but we're right here thanking you man you, yeah, you're exactly. the man you're the man <laughs> so ignore the haters man come on now we got the you got the tommy beard defense force right here Trust right me. here <laughs> <laughs> all right well tommy we hope to have you back on you know later this year maybe at the start of next season and uh we will continue to look out for your your Substack articles and looking out for more stats i mean the playoff stats that you have coming out are awesome um who do you think is going to win the title just your uh, thoughts can i tell you after game three of the buck celtics game today um, <laughs> like um Fair point. i i i picked the bucks going into the year um i felt like a bucks suns rematch um i Same. wouldn't be surprised if it's bucks warriors but man the celtics look great don't they like defensively and no middleton either so Crazy. that's a huge deal um, I, I think if the Celtics can get, you know, you know, can, can kind of win this thing in, in five or six games before Middleton gets back or, um, uh, but again, I'm going to stick with the Bucs. Um, I, I hope it goes seven. I'm probably heading out to Boston for game seven. Um, not this, not this Sunday, but next Sunday would be game nice. seven in Beantown. Um, so get a lobster roll on our, from us, you know, you got to say, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. A little fours action. Um, there you go. But, um, yeah, I was actually, I lived out in Boston for a little while. Um, right. So, I uh, saw you, you went to school out in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Went, went to Holy Cross out there. And then I lived in, um, Quincy for like, for like three years. after school. Did the Boston fans ever like annoy you out there? I, 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 I learned when I wore, when I was a freshman in college and I wore my Yankee hat. Oh in, no. In, in, oh, in, no. In, in, into Fenway because I'm a tough guy. No, you know? no. Same, same thing happened with me. No. Like, okay. He was looking for a fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I learned like, um, be respectful and, you know, be, you know, like just, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I just love any, any town that, that has, has a, a loyal fan base. And um, I, I, and I was there um, 2000. I left right before um, I was there for the Boone game. But I left, Ooh, I left. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't there um, for when they won, you know. And I and right. I told my friends, listen, if they ever win a World Series, I'll come back. And um, it's it's weird, you know. And I and I and I think about this with Nick fans too. Sometimes I'm like, the passion of of Red Sox fans is really a lot less than it was 20 years ago because there's something about being the underdog. I think that's why a lot of Nick fans take so much pride in being a Nick fan because it shows a loyalty. Um, you know, that, that, that to stick with a team this long. Um, so I just, I would, I guess I'll just, you know, end that, you know, I'll say that to say, 
Um, enjoy. Don't let it, you know, if the Knicks get off to a hot start or a little or win streak or you want to have some fun on Twitter, like don't let anybody tell you like, oh, they, they suck, yada, yada. Like just enjoy those times because those things aren't promised. And if they ever got to the promised land, um, I know Nick fans would appreciate it so much more than, than other folks that you know hop on the bandwagon and stuff like that. Nice. We got the Tommy Beer seal of approval. We got the license <laughs> to be obnoxious now. Yes. No no, Guilt-free. <laughs> it, it might be worse than when Philly won the Super Bowl, man. Honestly, oh, man. It's going to be egregious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that wraps up this episode of Nickish. Thank you all for taking a listen to this episode. Uh, thank you again to Tommy Beer for coming on and joining us and uh, talking Nick's uh, until next time. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Make sure you uh, subscribe to Tommy's Substack again. It's TommyBeer.substack.com. Follow him on Twitter at TommyBeer. And uh, make sure you guys tune in for next week's episode. Until next time, take care, everyone. Peace. Peace. Peace.